Section three of Miss Mink's Soldier and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. Miss Mink's Soldier and Other Stories by Alice Hegan Rice. Pop. The gloomy corridor in the big Baltimore hospital was still and deserted, save for a nurse who sat at a flat-topped desk under a green lamp mechanically transferring figures from one chart to another. It was the period of quiet that usually precedes the first restless stirring of the sick at the breaking of dawn. The silence was intense as only a silence can be that waits momentarily for an interrupting sound. Suddenly it came in a prolonged imperative ring of the telephone bell. So insistent was the call that the nurse's hand closed over the transmitter long before the burr ceased. The office was notifying Ward B that an emergency case had been brought in and an immediate operation was necessary. With prompt efficiency, the well-ordered machinery for saving human life was put in motion. Soft-footed nurses emerged from the shadows and moved quickly about, making necessary arrangements. A trim, comely woman, straight of feature and clear of eye, gave directions in low, decisive tones. When the telephone rang the second time, she answered it. "'Yes, office,' she said. "'This is Miss Fletcher.' they're not going to operate too late i see very well send the patient up to number sixteen everything is ready even as she spoke the complaining creak of the elevator could be heard and presently two orderlies appeared at the end of the corridor bearing a stretcher beside it with head erect and jaw set strode a strangely commanding figure six feet two he loomed in the shadows a gaunt raw-boned old mountaineer on his head was a tall wide-brimmed hat and in his right hand he carried a bulky carpet-sack the left sleeve of his long-tailed coat hung empty to the elbow the massive head with its white flowing beard and hawk-like face the beaked nose and fierce deep-set eyes might have served as a model for michelangelo when he modelled his immortal moses as the orderlies passed through the door of number sixteen and lowered the stretcher the old man put down his carpet-sack and grimly watched the nurse uncover the patient under the worn homespun coverlet stained with the dull dyes of barks and berries lay an emaciated figure just as it had been brought into the hospital one long coarse garment covered it and the bare feet with their prominent ankle bones and the large work-hardened hands might have belonged to either a boy or a girl take that thar head wrappin off ordered the old man peremptorily a nurse carefully unwound the rough woolen scarf, and as she did so, a mass of red hair fell across the pillow, hair that in spite of its matted disorder showed flashes of gleaming gold. "'We'll get her on the bed,' a night nurse said to an assistant. "'Put your arm under her knees. Don't jar the stretcher.' 
before the novice could obey another and a stronger arm was thrust forward stand back thar some of youns commanded a loud voice i'll help move sal myself in vain were protests from nurses and orderlies alike the old mountaineer seemed bent on making good use of his one arm and with quick dexterity he helped to lift her on the bed now where's the doctor he demanded standing with feet far apart and head thrown back the doctor was at the desk in the corridor speaking to miss fletcher in an undertone we only made a superficial examination downstairs he was saying but it is evidently a ruptured appendix if she's living in a couple of hours i may be able to operate but it's ten to one she dies on the table who are they and where did they come from miss fletcher asked curiously her name is hawkins they're from somewhere in the kentucky mountains think of his starting with her in that condition he can't read or write it's the first time he's ever been in a city i am afraid he's going to prove troublesome you'd better get him out of there as soon as possible but any one however mighty in authority who proposed to move jeb hawkins when he did not choose to be moved reckoned unknowingly all tactics were exhausted from suggestion to positive command and the rules of the hospital were quoted in vain in the remote regions where jeb lived there were no laws to break every man's home was his stronghold to be protected at the point of a pistol he was one of the three million people of good anglo-saxon stock who had been stranded in the highlands when the cumberland mountains dammed the stream of humanity that swept westward through the level wilderness development had been arrested so long in jeb and his ancestors that the outside world its interests and its mode of living was a matter of supreme and profound indifference a sudden and unprecedented emergency had driven him to the settlements his girl had developed an ailment that baffled the skill of the herb doctors so following one bit of advice after another he had finally landed in baltimore and now that the terrible journey was ended and sal was in the hands of the doctor who was to work the cure the wholly preposterous request was made of him that he abandon her to her fate with dogged determination he sat beside the bed and chewed silently and stolidly through the argument you gals might as well save your wind he announced at last if sal stays i stay if i go sal goes we ain't axin favors of nobody he was so much in the way during the necessary preparations for the possible operation that finally miss fletcher was appealed to she was a woman accustomed to giving orders and to having them obeyed but she was also a woman of tact ten minutes of valuable time were spent in propitiating the old man before she suggested that he come with her into the corridor while the nurses straightened the room a few minutes later she returned smiling i've corralled him in the linen closet she whispered he's unpacking his carpet sack as if he meant to take up his abode with us i am afraid said the special nurse glancing toward the bed he won't have long to stay how do you suppose he ever got her here i asked him he said he drove her for three days in an ox cart along the creek bottom until they got to jackson then he told the ticket agent to send them to the best hospital the train ran to neither of them had ever seen a train before it's a miracle she's lived this long 
does he realize her condition i don't know i suppose i ought to tell him that the end may come at any time but telling him was not an easy matter as miss fletcher found when she joined him later in the linen closet he was busy spreading his varied possessions along the shelves on top of the piles of immaculate linen stopping now and then to refresh himself with a bite of salt pork and some corn pone that had been packed for days along with sally's shoes and sunbonnet and his own scanty wardrobe i suppose you know miss fletcher began gently trying not to show her chagrin at the state of the room that your daughter is in a very serious condition he looked at her sharply shucks sal'll pull through he said with mingled defiance and alarm you ain't seen her afore in one of them spells besides it makes a difference when a gal's pa and grandpa and great-grandpa was feud followers a feud follower takes more killin than ordinary folks her ma was subject to cramp colic afore her but this isn't cramp colic miss fletcher urged it's her appendix and it wasn't taken in time well ain't they going to draw it he asked irritably ain't that what we're here for yes but you don't understand the doctor may decide not to operate the old man's face wore a puzzled look then his lips hardened maybe it's the money that's a worryin him you go tell him that jeb hawkins pays as he goes i got pension money sewed in my coat from the ham clean up to the collar i ain't askin none of you to save my gal for nothin miss fletcher laid her hand on his arm it was a shapely hand as well as a kindly one it isn't a question of money she said quietly it's a question of life or death there is only a slight chance that your daughter will live through the day someone tapped at the door and miss fletcher after a whispered consultation turned again to the old man they have decided to take the chance she said hurriedly they are carrying her up now you stay here and i will let you know as soon as it is over why are they fetching her too he demanded savagely to the operating room you take me there but you can't go mr hawkins no one but the surgeons and nurses can be with her besides the nurse who was just here said she had regained consciousness and it might excite her to see you she might as well have tried to stop a mountain torrent he brushed past her and was making his way to the elevator before she had ceased speaking at the open door of the operating room on the fourth floor he paused on a long white table lay the patient a white-clad doctor on either side of her and a nurse in the background sorting a handful of gleaming instruments with two strides the old man reached the girl's side sal he said fiercely bending over her air you wuss her dazed eyes cleared slightly i don't know bob she murmured feebly you ain't fixin to die are ye he whispered i don't know bob don't you let em scare you he commanded sternly you keep on a fightin don't you dare give up sal do you hear me the girl's wavering consciousness steadied and for a moment the challenge that the old man flung at death was valiantly answered in her pain-racked eyes for an hour and a half the surgeons worked the case critical enough at best was greatly complicated by the long delay 
twice further effort seemed useless and it was only by the prompt administration of oxygen that the end was averted during the nerve-wracking suspense pop not only refused to leave the room he even refused to stand back from the table with keen suspicious eyes he followed every movement of the surgeon's hands only once did he speak out and that was in the beginning to an intern who was administering the anaesthetic lift that funnel you squash-headed fool he thundered don't you see it's marking off a cheek when the work was finished and the unconscious patient had been taken down to her ward pop still kept his place beside her with his hand on her pulse he watched her breathing watched the first faint quivering of her lids the restlessness that grew into pain and later into agony hour after hour he sat there and passed with her through that crucifixion that follows some capital operations on his refusal at luncheon-time to leave the bedside miss fletcher ignored the rules and sent him a tray but when night came and he still refused to go she became impatient you can't stay in here to-night mr hawkins she said firmly i have asked one of the orderlies who lives near by to take you home with him we can send for you if there is any change i must insist that you go now ain't i made it clear from the start cried pop angrily that i ain't a-goin to be drove out you uns can call me muley-headed or whatever you've a mind to sal's always stood by me and by golly i'm a-goin to stand by sal his raised voice roused the patient and a feeble summons brought miss fletcher to the bedside say pled the girl faintly don't rile pop he's the fightinest man and breathe it when his blood's up all right dear said miss fletcher with a soothing hand on the hot brow he shall do as he likes during that long night the girl passed from one paroxysm of pain to another with brief intervals of drug-induced sleep during the quiet moments the nurse snatched what rest she could but old jeb hawkins stuck to his post in the straight-backed chair never nodding never relaxing the vigilance of his watch for pop was doing sentry duty much as he had done it in the old days of the civil war when he had answered lincoln's first call for volunteers and given his left arm for his country but the enemy to-night was mysterious crafty one that might come in the twinkling of an eye and a sentry at seventy is not what he was at twenty-two when the doctor arrived in the morning he found the old man haggard with fatigue this won't do mr hawkins he said kindly you must get some rest be she goin to die pop demanded steadying himself by a chair it is too soon to tell the doctor said evasively but i'll say this much her pulse is better than i expected now go get some sleep half an hour later a strange rumbling sound puzzled the nurses in ward b it came at regular intervals rising from a monotonous growl to a staccato then dying away in a plaintive diminuendo it was not until one of the nurses needed clean sheets that the mystery was explained on the floor of the linen closet stretched on his back with his carpet sack under his head and his empty sleeve across his chest lay pop 
from that time on the old mountaineer became a daily problem toward b it is true he agreed in time to go home at night with the orderly but by six in the morning he was sitting on the hospital steps impatiently awaiting admission the linen closet was still regarded by him as his private apartment to which he repaired at such times as he could not stay in sally's room and refreshed himself with the luncheon he brought with him each day during the first week when the girl's life hung in the balance he was granted privileges which he afterward refused to relinquish the hospital confines after the freedom of the hills chafed him sorely as the days grew warmer he discarded his coat collar and at times his shoes i allow i'm going to take sal home next week became his daily threat but the days and weeks slipped by and still the girl lay with a low consuming fever and still pop watched by her side showing her no affection by word or gesture but serving her and anticipating her every want with a thoroughness that left little for the nurses to do in some way miss fletcher had gained his confidence to her he entrusted the bills which he ripped from his coat at the end of each week with the instruction that she pay off them boys down in the office far and squire but not to allow him to cheat her it may have been her growing interest in the invalid that won his favour for she came in often to chat awhile with sally and sometimes brought up a handful of flowers to brighten the sick-room she's getting better she said one morning as she held the girl's big bony hand and looked down at the thin bright face in its frame of shining hair we'll have her sitting up now before long pop's whole aspect brightened if sal once begins to get well can't none of em beat her he said proudly have you any other children miss fletcher asked lord yes said pop's heaps of em thar's ted and larkin and gus they was all kilt and feud fights and bert and jim they're in jail in jackson for moonshining four more died when they was babies and they ain't nary a one at home now but just sal how old is she seventeen or eighteen mebby and she tells me she's never been to school there warn't no need cessity said pop complacently taking a long twist of tobacco from his pocket sal don't need no learnin she's purter than most gals that's got book sense you show me every one of these gals round here that can spin and weave the cloth to mek their own dresses that can mold candles and mek soap and hoe terbacky and handle a rifle good as a man but mr hawkins insisted miss fletcher there are better things than those for us to learn haven't you ever felt the need of an education yourself pop looked at her suspiciously look a here young woman i'm nigh on to seventy i never had a doctor but once in my life and then he chopped my arm off when it might a got well where it was i can plow and fell trees and haul wood there ain't a log rollin nor a house raisin in our neck of the woods that jeb hawkins ain't sent fur i can heist a barrel with the best of em and shake up old dan tucker as pert as the next one now how about your scholards this here hospital is full of em pale-faced spindly-legged nerve-jerking young fellows that has spent their first twenty years getting learning and their next twenty getting over it me and sal will keep to the open 
but sally was not so confident as her strength began to return she took a growing interest in all that went on around her asking eager intelligent questions and noting with wistful curiosity the speech and manners of the nurses who served her she was a raw recruit from nature unsophisticated illiterate under a bondage of poverty and drudgery she had led her starved life in the mountain fastnesses but now she had opened her eyes on a new and unexpected world how do you get about getting a learnin she ventured at last to ask one of the friendly nurses can't you fetch me up some of them there picture books for hours after this she pored over her new treasures until one day miss fletcher brought her a primer and the seventeen-year-old girl grappled for the first time with the alphabet after that she was loath to have the book out of her hand going painfully and slowly over the lessons mastering each in turn with patient perseverance pop viewed this proceeding with disfavor he seemed to sense the entering wedge that was to separate her from him his pride in her accomplishment was overshadowed by his jealousy and when she was able to read a whole page and attempted to explain the intricate process to him he was distinctly cast down he left the hospital that afternoon for the first time and was gone until dusk when he returned he carried a bunch of faded wild flowers that he had tramped two miles in the country to get for his girl may dragged into june and still they were kept at the hospital the old man became as restless as a caged animal he paced the corridors for hours at a time and his eyes grew furtive and defiant he who had lived out of sight of the smoke from his nearest neighbor's chimneys who had spent his life in the vast still solitudes of the hills was incredibly lonely here among his fellow-men if pop has to stay here much longer i'm afraid he'll smash the furniture said the night nurse who like everybody else in the ward had grown interested in the old man he packs his things every morning before the doctor comes only to unpack them after he leaves the confinement is telling on him said miss fletcher i wish for his sake they could start home to-day but i do hate to see sally go the girl is getting her first taste of civilization and i've never seen any one so eager to learn we have to take the books away from her every day and when she can't study she begs to be allowed to roll bandages the third day she sat up she wanted to help me nurse the other patients i am afraid we have spoiled her for hoeing tobacco and planting corn said the night nurse i hope so miss fletcher answered fervently it was nearly the last of june when the doctor dismissed his patient this doesn't mean that she is well he warned pop you will have to be careful of her for a long time she has worked too hard for a growing girl and she's not as strong now as she was she will be pop responded confidently that there gal is made out in iron her ma was afore her liza was my third wife and she'd borne six or seven children when she died at thirty-five and by joshy she'd never once had a doctor in all her life pop's joy over their dismissal was slightly dimmed by sally's reception of the news he saw her draw a long breath and bite her lips 
then he saw what he had never seen since she was a baby two large tears gather slowly in her eyes and roll down on the pillow he watched them in amazement sal what ails ye he asked anxiously after the doctor was gone i want to get a larnin she broke out i don't want to go back to the hills instantly the old man's face which had been tender hardened to a mask of fury that passel of fool women's been working on ye he cried hoarsely larnin larnin that's all they know ain't the fork good enough for ye ain't the cabin where your pa and your grandpa and your great-grandpa was born good enough for ye yes pop yes she gasped terrified at the storm she had raised i'm a-goin back with you don't take on so pop i'm a-goin but the tempest was raging and the old man got up and strode angrily up and down the small room filling the air with his indignation i should say you was goin back i'd like to see any of em try to keep you they'd like to make one of em dressed up doll women out in you you're goin back with me to the fork and if there's ever any more nursin or doctorin to do i'm a-goin to do it i've nursed three women on their deathbeds, and when your time comes i allow i can handle you too then his mood changed suddenly and he sat down by the bed sal he said almost persuasively you'll get over this here foolishness again fall you'll be a cappin corn and a roastin sweet potatoes and singin them old ballards along with the hex gals and cy west and bub holly and i'll tote you behind me on the beast over the ridge to the baptist meetin house the very next feet washin they have just think how good it's goin to be to see the sun arisin over old baldy and to have room to stretch and breathe in seems as if i hain't been able to get my lungs full o wind since i left jackson i know it pop sally said miserably you growed old in the hills afore you ever seen the settlements but since i got a sight of what folks is a doin down here pears like i can't be reconciled to goin back tain't the work back home nor the lonesomeness though the lord knows only folks that ever does pass is when they're totin deads down the creek bottom it's the feelin of being shut off from my chance if i could get a larnin i wouldn't ask nothin better than to go back and pass it along when i see these here gals a larnin how to help the sick and care for babies and doctor folks i lay here and steady about all the good i could do back home if i only knowed how you do know how pop declared vociferously ain't you been a-lookin after folks that's ailin around the fort for a couple of years or more as for these new-fangled doctrines they won't nary one of em do the good yarbs well i'd rather trust bitter golden seal root to cure an ailment than all the durn physic in this here hospital i've been a studyin these here doctors and i don't take much stock in em instead of workin on an organ that gets twisted they ups and draws at now the lord almighty put that air particular thing in ye for some good reason and there's bound to be a hitch in the machinery when hits took out it's a marvel to me some of these hair patients ain't a amblin round on all fours from what's been did to their insides but think what the doctor did for me urged sally i ain't forgettin 
pop said suddenly and i've paid em for it but if they calculate on your taking root here they're treeing the wrong possum you're a-going home along o me to-morrow that afternoon he left the hospital and several hours later was seen walking up monument street with his arm full of bundles i believe he's buying clothes to take sally home in said one of the nurses who was watching him from an upper window he asked me this morning if i knew a place where he could buy women's togs it's a shame he won't let the girl stay said miss fletcher i have been talking to the superintendent and she is quite willing to let her do light work around the hospital and pick up what training she can i should be glad enough to look after her and there's a good night school two blocks over why don't you talk to the old man urged the nurse you are the only one who's ever been able to do anything with him perhaps you could make him see what an injustice he is doing the girl i believe i'll try said miss fletcher the next morning when she came on duty she found sally's bed the repository of a strange assortment of wearing apparel a calico dress of pronounced hue a large lace jabot and a small pair of yellow kid gloves were spread out for inspection i know they was too little pop was saying as he carefully smoothed the kid fingers but i allowed you could carry em in your hand there was an unusual eagerness in his hard face an evident desire to make up to sally in one way for what he was depriving her of in another he was more talkative than at any time since coming to the hospital and he dilated with satisfaction on the joys that awaited their homecoming may i have a little talk with you before you go asked miss fletcher he flashed on her a quick look of suspicion but her calm impassive face told him nothing she was a pretty woman and pop had evidently recognized the fact from the start well i'll come now he said rising reluctantly but sal you get your clothes on and be ready to start time i get back i ain't anxious to stay round these here diggings no longer need be besides that there railroad car might take a earlier start you be ready again i get back for an hour and a quarter miss fletcher was shut up in the linen closet with the old man what arguments and persuasions she brought to bear are not known occasionally his voice could be heard in loud and angry dissent but when at last they emerged he looked like some old king of the jungle that has been captured and tamed his shoulders drooped his one arm hung limply by his side and his usually restless eyes were bent upon the floor without a word he strode back to the room where sally in her misfit clothes was waiting for him come along o me sal he commanded sternly as he picked up his carpet sack lave your things whar the bee silently they passed out of the ward down the stairway through the long vault-like corridor to the superintendent's room once there he flung back his rusty coat and ripped the last bill but one from its hiding-place that there's for my gal he said defiantly to the superintendent she'll get one the first day of every month give her the larnin she's so hell-bent on stuff her plum full of it and if you let anything happen to her his brows lowered threateningly i'll come back and blow your whole blame hospital into eternity pop sally pleaded pop 
but his emotions were at high tide and he did not heed her pushing her roughly aside he strode back to the entrance hall and was about to pick up his carpet sack when his gaze was suddenly arrested by the great marble figure that bends its thorn-crowned head in pity over the unhappy and the pain-racked mortals that pass beneath its outstretched hands you ain't going to leave me like this pop begged sally if you take it so hard i'll go back and i'll go willin just say the word pop and i'll go the old mountaineer's one hand closed on the girl's bony arm in a tight clasp his shoulders heaved and his massive features worked but his gaze never left the calm pitying face of the saviour overhead he had followed his child without a tremor into the valley of the shadow of death but at the entrance of this new life where he must let her go alone his courage failed and his spirit faltered his dominant will hitherto the only law he knew was in mortal combat with a new and unknown force that for the first time had entered his life for several minutes he stood thus his conflicting passions swaying him as opposing gales shake a giant forest tree then he resolutely loosened his grip on the girl's arm and taking up his burden without a word or a backward glance set his face toward the hills leaving an awkward wistful girl watching him with her tears only half obscuring the vision that was already dawning for her End of section 3